Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Bible reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and you would please respond by saying, thanks be to God. I read, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Bukola. A parting gift, right? All right. Thank you. Morning. Nice to see everyone here. And uh, if you're new here, my name is Femi. Um, we've been, since begin well, not the beginning, since the middle of January, we started um, a series, a series that we've been looking at, a preaching series. And it's based on a popular part of the scripture, Matthew 5 to 7, which has been called the Sermon on the Mount. And what really the whole Sermon on the Mount was, if you look at the build-up in chapter 4, Jesus had just started his ministry. And when he started his ministry, he, it says that he proclaimed the kingdom in verse 23, and that he demonstrated the kingdom through signs and miracles and all of these things. Now, this brought people close to him. Well, people were following him because anyone that is an extraordinary speaker and has got a lot of might is going to draw the crowd. But in order to not, for them not to misunderstand what the kingdom was about, in chapter 5, in the beginning, he said he began to teach them about the kingdom. Now, one of the thing about, things that you find about the kingdom is that the kingdom has got citizens. And so the way we've designed this series, we've, we've said, what if, um, to, ident- to understand the kingdom, we think about, if you're a citizen, you've got the passport of the kingdom, the international passport of the kingdom, and that passport has got... 14 pages. And on the first page, it's there, contrite citizens. The second page, persecuted citizens. Third, missional. 
The fourth page is righteous citizens. The fifth page, broken citizens. The sixth page, restorative citizens. Page seven, wealthy citizens. And page eight, prayerful citizens. Now, we looked at all of those, and those have been the different, uh, the different things that we've treated in the series. Today is the ninth, and in the ninth, we are looking at being confident citizens. Confident citizens. Maybe I should start this way by asking two questions. First one, how many of us know what it is like to worry? Right? To worry. I mean, good, good. We have some, we have some honest and dishonest people here. <laughs> Will I remain single? Will I ever be happy in this marriage? Will we be able to pay our rent? Will I get a raise? <laughs> Amen. Will they hide? Will I get cancer? Will I fit into Canada? How do you deal with it when we worry? You know, the economic and political situation in our country just doesn't seem to get better. And this has consequences. The other day, a few of us were in Luth, the Lagos University Teaching Hospital. This is meant to be the premier health center in the whole of a city of 20 plus million people. The conditions that we saw were systematically built for people to worry. How do you deal with it? Maybe a second question I should ask is, how many of us know what it is like to be confident? One person. Sometimes when you think of a confident person, we think of a pose like this, hands together. Or we think of someone deep in thought like this. Or it would have been bouncing, someone that got swag. You remember what bouncing back in the day, you know? Obama kind of brought it back, you know, like, hey, what's up? Hey, I see you. Hey. You okay? So that person is confident because he's got swag. Some of us know it not in terms of how we walk, but have you ever gone in for an exam where you know you know? Wait, them. They have nothing. You, re you know, you've, re you've read so much, and it's not about cramming. You know how it is. You are taking tutorials. You could not wait for the exam to come. Or you went for a competition where you are head and shoulders above everyone. You know when you, you are, you are tw 12 years old and you told your five-year-old sister to come and play table tennis with you? Agbaya. That's what I call. Now, whether our show or display of confidence is genuine or is just, you know, faking it, one of the things we do know is this, that confident people don't worry. Now, Jesus repeatedly in the passage we read, verse 25, I tell you, don't worry. Verse 28, why do you worry? Verse 31, do not worry. He confronts worrying. His message to 21st century Lagosians would be, listen to me, don't worry. Because worry is combated with confidence and the citizens of his kingdom are confident citizens. Now, in order for me to explain what that is, we'll look at this topic under three headings. The problem with worrying. Two, the alternative to worrying. And three, the cure for worrying. The problem with worrying, the alternative to worrying, and the cure for 
worrying. So let's start with the first point. The problem with worrying. Now, Jesus is talking about worry, and when he says don't worry, he's, you don't make a mistake. He is not talking about being afraid of fear. There's a difference between worry and fear. What's the difference? I'm glad you asked. Fear is the negative emotion directed towards an actual reality. Worry is the negative emotion directed towards a possible or a potential or an imagined reality. For instance, I am afraid of wars. Wars are a reality. And you should all be scared of wars. If you've heard stories of Biafran war, you know you should be scared of wars. But I worry about a U.S. and North Korea nuclear war. It may happen, God forbid. It may not happen. It's potential. Or my son is scared of jabs, you know, injections in the hospital. I don't know whether he should be scared of it, but I know some of you are still scared of it eh, at your age. <laughs> but he worries about visits to the hospital. So much that he, even when he becomes ill, he tries to pretend that he's not ill. He worries about it. He's not sick now. A the difference between the negative emotion towards an actual reality and a potential reality. And that's why if you compare verse 25 and verse 34, which is basically saying the same thing in two different ways. It says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, but the worrying of your life is the worrying about tomorrow. What could happen tomorrow? And when he's saying that, we direct it mainly towards material things. That is, what shall I wear, what shall I eat, and what shall I drink? Now, before we understand, there's a connection to the previous um, uh, section. You know, in verse 25, it says, therefore. And anytime you read the Bible, one very important um, um, th tool for biblical interpretation is, wherever you see a therefore, you should ask what it is there for. It connects us to the previous section, verses 19 to 24. And we already preached on that in the seventh, uh, uh, seventh page of our passport, which is wealthy citizens. And what was going on there, basically, Jesus was warning people that they should not make material things an idol. Whereas here, he's still talking about material things, but he's saying that you should not make them objects of perpetual worry. And it gives us two reasons. One, it is foolish. The second is that it is sinful. Let's talk, take the first one. It's foolish. In verse 34, Jesus is actually asking, basically saying, why are you bringing tomorrow's trouble into today? That is, today already has its own issues. Why not deal with it? And you see, many of us here, we leave today's tasks undone, or we rob ourselves of today's joy because we are worrying about tomorrow. Sometimes we cannot focus at our, our work, the work that is in front of us, right, in our desk. Why? Because you are thinking, maybe my daughter has tripped down the staircase at home. Or some of us, we cannot sleep because even though we have agreed verbally in that contract, we've agreed verbally, you can't sleep because you're thinking, what if he doesn't sign? 
Or sometimes you are not able to focus on Netflix at home because you saw some people walking around your house and you're thinking, what if these envious people want to rob us? Worry. Or like that Christmas party that you went for. You just couldn't, you're, you, you couldn't allow your wife to enjoy it. You weren't enjoying it. Why? Because it's coming to the end of the year and you are thinking this year, surely they are going to fire me. Even though it's your 14th year in the company, and every year, at the end of every year, you keep thinking they're going to fire me, they're going to fire me. And so the whole party is just a mess. We keep worrying and worrying and worrying. And you know the thing about worrying is that it fools us into thinking. Let's think about three things it fools us into thinking about. It fools us into thinking, I'll never have a bad surprise, so it's better I worry. Or it shows I care. Or it enables me to solve problems. So I'll never have a bad surprise. You see, I am worrying because there are many bad things that could happen. But I don't want to be surprised by it, so I worry about all the different potential problems that could happen. Here's the problem. You can't see the future. When you are thinking, is this one, is this other one that is going to come? You are thinking that the problem is that I, I don't want to have yet another boy. That's what the problem is. You have three boys, you just want a girl. Okay, let me make it more accurate. You have two boys, you just want a girl. <laughs> and you are worrying about that. So your wife now gets pregnant. And, sorry, for some of you that were wondering, I have two boys, so. <laughs> and yes, I've always wanted a girl. But anyway, back to the point. You were worrying that, what if this pregnant, what if she does not have a girl? What if it's a boy? So you prepare yourself, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. And you go for the scan, and you find out it's triplets. <laughs> Could you foresee that? It fools us into thinking that, but we cannot foresee the future. The other thing is that it fools us into thinking that you care. The only reason why I'm so like this is because I care. I care so much. It's true, you may care, but it also may mean that you're just a neurotic. And what's up with this is that you may start to then think that somebody that does not worry like you, but is trying to solve the problem, that person does not care. It just means that the person is more settled than you are. And the third one is that you feel that when I worry, I will be able to think about the problem. And when I think about the problem, I'll be able to think about the solution. No, it doesn't. Just listen to Jesus in verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worrying as a strategic problem solver has on its scorecard over 100, zero. You can never solve any problem by worrying. The only thing that worrying does is that it succeeds in creating overly suspicious, irritable, edgy, joyless people. You like that? Well, Bobby McFerrin actually sang about you. He said, in every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. But the second thing about worrying is that it is sinful. It is sinful. And what do I mean by that? You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, 
there are two things about biblical faith that must always be there. One, it presumes the existence of God. Two, it presumes a certain understanding about his character. In verse 30, Jesus calls these people that worry people of little faith. Now, in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, biblical faith always requires evidence, which means, i.e., that where you do not see faith, you also have to have evidence of lack of faith, isn't it? Well, Jesus then offers, to, offers evidence. He says, look, in verse 26, if you consider the birds of the air, you know that they do not sow or reap or they store in barns. But guess what? They are fed. Or in verse 30, he says that you know the flowers of the field, right? They do not labor nor spin. Yet Solomon, at this point, understood as the wealthiest man that ever lived. He said he was not in all his splendor dressed like one of these. So on the backdrop of this, Jesus is saying, when you continue to worry, as you see the birds of the field and you see the, flowers, uh, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, on this backdrop, you are believing three things, maybe three things. One is that God views the citizens of his kingdom as less valuable than birds and the flowers. Lack of faith. Or that God... Though he has these people in his kingdom, he's, a, he's unable to provide for their needs. Two. Or that God, even though he's able to provide for the needs of his citizens, he's an uncaring God. The problem with worrying is that it always provides a distorted view of God. If God clothes the grass of the field and he feeds the birds of the air, are you not much more valuable than they? The flowers of the field are here today, tomorrow they are thrown into the fire. How will he not much more clothe you? We see, Jesus warns in the previous section, verse 19 to 24, about the idolatry of material things. He says that displays sinful distrust in God. But near, he's saying, worrying about not having the material things that you need displays a sinful distrust in the character of God. But you'll be saying to me, okay. It's one thing to say worrying is wrong, but I do have issues that make me nervous, whether they are real or imagined. It's what it is. With this in mind, please tell me, how do I combat worrying? Again, I'm glad you asked. Point two, the alternative to worrying. I think of two songs. They are not very helpful. One of them is Bob Marley's Three Little Birds. And in it, he says, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing. I didn't tell you to sing. See you. Now he says that. Well, how can we really know that everything is going to be all right? There's a problem with that. Let me bring in Bobby McFerrin once again. You see, because Bobby McFerrin tells us three reasons. He identifies three reasons that you worry. 
And he gives the reason why not to worry. So the first, he said, ain't got no place to lay your head. Someone came and took your bed. But don't worry. Be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. But don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no smart. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style. Ain't got no girl to make you smile. But don't worry. <laughs> Why? Be happy. Now, this is the reason. Because when you worry, your face will frown. And that will bring everybody down. Don't worry. And you, you want to say, who cares about what is wrong with people's faces? I said, I'm having my problem. What are you saying? That the reason I should not, I want you to be down. Do you know the problems I have? Let your face calm down. Let everything. My face will frown and you will be down. At least, they say there's joy in collective misery. <laughs> you see, I don't think these two reasons help us because they are almost dismissive of the issues that we are thinking about. You said it doesn't, just saying be happy doesn't change the issue. I think there must be a better way. You bet there is. And Jesus shows us that better way. You see, when Jesus chides his disciples of having little faith, it's because he expects them to be people of faith. He expects them to be confident people. Now, the word confidence, if you notice, it's con fide. Ends. Con fide. Fide is the Latin word for faith. So, but when we often think of confident people, we think of those who have swag, isn't it? Or you think uh, the swag really is because they really have confidence in themselves. It may, reminds me of um, a certain lady, she was a nun, uh, her name was Maria. She was told to look after seven children of a Navy captain in the sound of music. And she had a problem with it. And she was very scared. She was worrying about it. So he said, you know what? I have a solution. I will sing a song to ginger me up. And part of the words of that song, she said, and mind me with each step, I am more certain. Everything will turn out fine. I have confidence the world will all be mine. They'll have to agree I have confidence in... We're all on the road today, aren't we? <laughs> when we think of the confidence... We think of confidence in ourselves, but Jesus is not talking about that because biblical faith does not make the object of the faith ourselves. No, biblical faith makes the object of our faith God because when you have confidence in yourself, even as Maria has gingered up herself, right? Guess what? How did she win those children over? Yes, she was carrying all that, but she could sing. Though I dare a female dare. Ray? A drop of golden so If I have that kind of talent, I will conquer Nigeria. I am telling you. You see, most of the people that have confidence in themselves is really because they possess the, either the requisite education, family and social network, abilities to solve their problems. I remember a bank MD in Nigeria, I shall not call his name, that recently was giving a talk to some people. And he said, look, if I made it, if I made it, you can. I, am, I don't have any abilities. He said, look. I went to one of the worst schools in America. 
you all see it. You see the point. And he, he, he couldn't see it until one young man doing Q&A came and said, with all due respect, Mr. Uh, okay, I won't call his name. With all due respect, Mr. Mm -hmm. They were school in America and, they were, and schools in Nigeria. They're not the same. He has never used that example again. No, they have these things. And it's about gingering yourself up. No, biblical faith is really about the object of it is God. I'll give you an example with the video, a two-minute video that's going to be uh, played now of a guy who found himself in a very difficult situation. And he was, God eventually came through on him and he eventually tried to exhort us to, to, to doing that. So let's see the video. Yo, uh, what's up, man? Uh, <laughs> Um, I usually don't try to make, you know, videos being emotional, but, you know, today was one of them days. Um, um, as I, I <laughs> on my way home, I, I kind of wanted some chicken, man. I wanted 10 chicken wings, man. So I went to my favorite spot and, um, and I got some chicken wings and, um, and, and my two-year-old was in the back saying chicken, 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 as if she wanted something. And I said, you know, I, I'll give you a piece when you get home, but I already knew I was going to make her a sandwich. You know when we got to the house, so um, and so I, I not even not even not even two minutes after I got through the door at the house, man, I opened up the box of chicken, man. It was fresh, man, looking good, and she still was asking for chicken. So you know, I, I gave her a piece, and I was gonna give her at least two or three, and um, and not even not even a few seconds after she started eating, man, she started gagging, like gagging seriously, and so I had a good old, good, I went over there and like started beating the back of her her back. And, and and like I was like so nervous, man, and and it really got me, you know what I'm saying, as a father, you know what I mean? Because because you know, it wasn't about her choking, it was the fact that she told me afterwards she didn't want no more she didn't want no more chicken. And so I just started tearing up because I'm like, man, now I get to have all this chicken to myself. And y'all, let me tell you, man, God is faithful, man. You know, I thought for sure she was going to eat, you know, at least have, you know, the chicken that was in the box. But God, God intervened, man. And she didn't even want no more. And and I got to sit down and eat in peace. Nine pieces of chicken. And really nine and a half because she ain't finished that, that one that she had. And that's what, like, y'all, don't worry. God already knows the outcome of what you're going through. Don't worry. Don't fret. Trust God, man. Man, this man, I'm telling you, this is some of the best chicken I ever had in my life, man. This thing. <laughs> Thank you, God. You see, there are some times that Timulane comes to meet me and the you know the last one before the meet. That last one, that's when it comes. And that eba, that last one is so nice, and then the meat after it. And that's when the boy comes. So you can imagine the days that he comes and he just doesn't feel like eating. It's like, ah, God, you exist. <laughs> now, of course, the point is, just, yes, okay, look, his own condition is not like yours. But he said, don't what? Trust who? That's what biblical faith is all about. Now, it's a serious point because you may think, well, you know, it's all about, you know, spiritual things. But Jesus here is saying that your heavenly father wants you to know that he cares about these things. In fact, in the passage that Emmanuel preached from last week, which was what we call the Lord's Prayer, in 6 verse 11 it says that you should do what? Give us this day our... We are meant to pray it. God actually says that there's an alternative to worrying, and that is to have faith in him. 
And now you may be thinking, but Femi, what about global poverty and all the things that we see all around us? Which makes me say, look, this promise that God makes through Jesus, or Jesus is saying that God gives to us, let's express three caveats or three limitations very quickly. One, this promise, because if you remember, he's talking to his disciples, is strictly for the citizens of his kingdom. That is, this promise that he would always meet our needs is for the citizens of his kingdom. Two, this promise, as you see in verse, six, in, in verse 32, is about our needs and not wants or luxuries. Your heavenly father knows that you what? Need them. Now, some people think that living on the island, riding a jeep, taking a foreign trip, every other... I don't have to travel. I'm not traveling every year. If I can travel once in five years, I need it. I need to get out. The air here is... Um, he is choking me. I, I just need some time alone. I just need to be able to travel. Or to have a foreign master's degree. Or all of them say, look at all those... Of course, that's all luxuries. But I can't, I can't just, I can't suffer an NTA alone. I need DSTV. I need it. It's seriously. Now, modern culture may tell us that those things are needs, but they are ultimately luxuries and wants. Because God here is promising about the most basic needs on what to eat and what to drink and our. Clothing, because this is important, he's saying he will meet that. And then the third thing, I'm sorry, I should say this. The fact that other Christians have all of those things, other Christians are able to have them, and they said, rightly, that God gave it to them, that doesn't mean it's the entitlement of every Christian by promise and faith. It isn't. And the third thing, caveat, is that this promise also excludes Christians suffering for righteousness' sake. We saw that in the Beatitude, blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. That's in 5 verse 10. There are people who are deprived through persecution of these things precisely because they identify with Christ. We see that in 5, 11 to 12. So there are limitations or exceptions to this, there are caveats, and if you want to be careful, so you take the whole biblical narrative on this, we can express those three caveats, but yet we should say this, that this is still a promise of God. David echoes that in Psalm 37, verse 25, he says, I have been young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. In other words, I'm saying, and I'm telling it to the bank, because Jesus says this, if you are in need, God wants to meet that need. God is that provider. His name is Jehovah, what? Jire. Reminds me of that old song. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He shall give his angels charge over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. You know, it does. And sometimes you'll be saying, well, I still don't see anything around. Well, that's why God gives us a church. 
In Romans 12, verse 9, and going to all the way to the end, from 9 uh, to the end, he says, look, the church should be characterized by love. He says, let love be sincere among you. And then in verse 13, he says that share with the Lord's people who are in need. You see, I'm looking around and I see my brother and sister in need. And I don't think this promise is there. If you are seeing your brother and sister in need, wherever you see it lacking, you are precisely God's agent to meet that need. You are precisely God's agent to fulfill that promise. And it's because of that that we read in Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 3 to 34, about the community, the first Christian community. And it says this, listen, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, and there was no needy person among them. If you are that person that is in need, and I'll say in this church, if you are that person that is in need, one, pray, 6 verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Two, Speak to your family, your church family. Don't, I couldn't come to church. Why couldn't you come to church? Because I didn't have transport money and the only money I had, I had to use to eat. That's a scandal among us. Pray, speak, and don't worry. And watch God fulfill his promise. Now, that's an alternative. We still need a permanent cure for worrying. That takes me to my third point. You see, Jesus in this passage tells us that worrying is problematic because it demonstrates that we are pursuing, really, listen to this, another kingdom. It demonstrates that we're pursuing another kingdom. And what it means by that, if we look in verse 31 to 32, it says, Don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Now, you see, part of the reason, as I said before, and I'll add another thing, we worry because we are not sure we'll get what we need. But we also worry because we are not sure that what we dread will not happen to us. So our present worry is a function of future uncertainty. We worry in the present because we are not sure of the future, and most of, especially, we are thinking in the future in a negative way. You see, as important as food and drink and clothes are, a kingdom based on them, just food, drink, and clothes, it cannot be the sum total of life. Is not life, verse 25, more than food? And the body more than clothes. Why do I say it's not, it's not the sum of life? Because eventually, food, drink are not eternal. Clothes, are they? You keep pursuing after them endlessly and endlessly. If you, The pursuit of a kingdom that constantly causes uh, earthly worry is eventually a pursuit of eternal insecurity. You have them today, but what about the next day? You have the, okay, I go for that one, but what about a year after? You get that one, but what about five years after? You are never, the problem is you are never secure because the things that you think you need, you are not sure you'll get them, and the thing that you dread, you are not sure it will not happen to you. Present worry about temporal things can be a window into legitimate worry about eternal things. For any cure for earthly worry must take care of eternal worry and eternal 
security. If you are running like the pagans after all these things, run well. But eventually, it does show that uh, deep down, there is constant worry that will plague you. No, what we need is something that tells us that eternally, the most dreadful thing that can happen to me will not happen to me. And then eternally, the thing that I desire most, even if I may not be able to picture it, that thing I will be able to inherit and obtain. That is what you should pursue. And that's why in the most pivotal verse of the whole chapter, verse 33, Jesus says, seek, pursue the kingdom and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added to you. Follow the sequence. It's about what you pursue. What you pursue determines who you are or demonstrates who you are. The pagans, they're pagans because they what? Run after these things. But those citizens of the kingdom will pursue what? The kingdom and its values. And then the other things will be added to them. The sum total of life is not in these things. The sum total of life is contained in the heavenly, imperishable, and eternal kingdom. And Jesus is saying when you seek the kingdom as a priority, what you will get is a fulfillment of our eternal need. And he throws in that you'll get your temporal needs as well. And what we eternally dread will not happen to us. Why? To pursue the kingdom is to pursue eternal security and cure temporal and eternal worry. That's why John can say, fear is a torment. And there are people that should have fear on the last day. But that we that are his children, we should no longer fear anything. Why? Because we can have boldness on the day of judgment. On what basis? This eternal security, this kingdom, on what basis do you think you will get it? This security that I'm saying that if you have, you will not lack the clothes and lack the food and drink that you're talking about. How do we get it? Well, you see, the kingdom was secured for us by Jesus, who on the cross in John 19, 28 said, I thirst. He thirsted so that here we will not thirst, but more importantly, we will not thirst in his eternal kingdom. On the cross in Mark 15, verse 24, it says that they stripped him of his clothes. They divided it and cast lots for it. He was stripped of his clothes so that in the eternal kingdom, he will provide you and clothe you with his righteousness, but now he will provide you with the clothing that you need. You see, God provides all these things to his children on the basis that he gave them the most precious gift in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And follow this, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, he, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Are you listening, O oh people of little faith? The Lord is saying, because he gave us Jesus, 
Because on the cross he was stripped. Because on the cross he was thirsty. He has given you an eternal kingdom. Fear not, little children, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and you are not to work for it. It is eternally secured in what he has done for us. And so I ask, if you are not a Christian, why not become one? I am not offering you this. Become a Christian so that you can get these needs. That is what it means to be a pagan. But just as the person who wants to have a better figure, who wants to have better health, starts exercises and sustains those exercises, you look at that goal and it comes with the process. Look at the goal. Look at the kingdom. And all these other things will be added to you. And for those of us here who are Christians but are plagued by worry and worry of these material, temporal things, here is what you should do. Be confident, not in yourself, but be confident in a God that will provide all these things for you. Why? Because already now, he has provided you with a kingdom that cannot be taken away from you. So we are to walk in confidence, not in ourselves. When we walk in confidence in ourselves, we always look down on other people. But if our confidence, Paul said this, I boast not in all these things. Let the wise man not boast in his, in his wisdom. Let the rich man not boast in his wealth. Let the strong man not boast in his might. But let him that boasts, boast about this, that he knows me. I am a God that shows mercy. Paul takes that in Galatians chapter 6 and says, I will not boast in any other thing but in what? In the cross of Jesus Christ who gave himself for me. And now I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. We have confidence not in ourselves, but we have confidence in what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And when that happens, we can look to the things that we don't have. And we can look at the Father who clothes the, the birds, who feeds the birds of the air and who clothes the, the, the flowers of the field. And say, I have faith. He cares for me. I will not become a slave to fear. Because I am a child of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. That you who clothe the, lily, you who clothe the lilies. And you who feeds the bird of the air. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that we know that we are more valuable than these things because you have brought us into your kingdom. But we know that if you gave Jesus Christ up for us, then you will freely and graciously give us all things. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.